The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be unraveling autism, a mother's journey. And the mother that we have with us is a very special woman. Um, She is not only uh, a mother of an artistic child, Marty, but she is a, an internationally recognized award-winning attorney and the author of the new book, The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. Welcome to the show, Ariva. Thank you, Dr. Carol. So glad to be a part of this amazing uh, broadcast. Well, thank you. Um, you know, what, you're, what we're going to be talking about and what you have to say and what you've written about is each day becomes more vital because the number of autistic children uh, is growing by leaps and bounds. Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, as you said in the intro, I'm a, the parent of a son who has autism. His name is Marty. And Marty was diagnosed about seven, eight years ago. And when he was diagnosed, uh, the incidence of autism was 1 in 160 children. Today, one in 91 children and one in 58 boys in the United States will be diagnosed with autism. And in some countries, that number is even higher. So we are talking about the fastest-growing developmental disability in the country, the fastest-growing childhood disability in the country. Uh, And I'm just so pleased as a mother and as an advocate and as an attorney that works on behalf of children, not just with autism, but children with a a wide range of special needs, to be able to just bring to light some of the day-to-day issues and the struggles that parents face uh, as they are raising their children with special needs. Now, I think one of the most um, frustrating things about this it seems to me, um, as in all your capacities, especially as a mother, um, is the fact that the origin of autism is still such a mystery. Yes, and uh, one of the things that happens, and I talk about in the book, The Everyday Advocate, is that when a parent gets a diagnosis, when we got the diagnosis, my husband and I, there's so many questions that are not answered. So you leave out of a doctor's office just feeling defeated, really, because you have so many unanswered questions. And for many parents, and, and I've talked to literally thousands that have experienced the same thing that my husband and I experienced, it's a sense of loss, it's a sense of grief, uh, and a lot of it has to do with that mystery. You know, if they told you your child had diabetes and you could go get an insulin shot or you could take a pill, you know, that's something we can relate to. But when they tell you your child has a lifelong disorder for which there's no known cause or cure, you know, that's really, really different. And, you know, something that emotionally can be very tough for parents to to 
let's deal with. Yes. Now, um, do you, do you subscribe? I mean, it's so interesting that. First of all, I mean, one tries to to get clues in all different ways. And, um, you know, the fact, for example, you were talking about how it's even more in certain countries. Um, I mean, I know one of the things that is a very popular, I, I don't know if you subscribe to this, but um, one idea as far as etiology is uh, the vaccines or things in vaccines, um, in immunizations. Do you personally or professionally or, you know, in all your research, what, do you, what is your opinion about that? You know, uh, Dr. Carroll, great question. Comes up all the time. I get asked this question all the time. And about 10 years ago or 1998 or so, a doctor, Dr. Wakefield, published a story that was uh, carried in, in, in Britain that linked autism to the mumps, measles, rubella vaccination. And it started this, this just groundswell uh, in the United States and really all over the country where parents stopped vaccinating their children. And for many parents, it, it was an answer they were looking for because many had stories that their child was progressing fine. They went and got the vaccination and they saw immediate regression. And that answered for them the question as to what was going on. Now, you know, a couple of months ago, that study was found to be unfounded absolutely no basis for it. They said the foundation for the story was for the study was flawed. And recently there was a, a case uh, in the United States uh, where a federal court determined that there is no scientific evidence linking vaccinations to the cause of autism. And that's been devastating news for a lot of parents who continue to hold on to the belief that the vaccinations are causing their child's autism or does have a link to autism. I, I can tell you as a lawyer, it's troubling to me that the only study, the only scientific study out there has been discredited. So if I were going into court and arguing this case, I don't have any evidence. Now, as an advocate, I say to parents, you know your child the best. You know chronologically what happened to your child. Mm -hmm. And if you believe that something is related to a vaccine or, or any other cause, that's worth exploring with the team that you assemble around yeah, your child. Yeah. But it's not enough to rely on an antidotal story that you may read in the press, you may hear about on television. And as an expert on your child, you've got to check the sources and check the facts. So when I read that this study has been discredited and that there have been 20 or so subsequent studies done at some of the most prestigious medical universities around the country and none have linked vaccines to autism, I say that's information parents need to have. Well, of course, yes. Of course, the, the problem, though, is that there are so many political issues connected to whether, you know, it is true or it isn't true. It's hard to sort of, especially hard for the average parent to, to wade through all of this and, and decide, you know, what seems most likely for their child or whether it seems most likely true or not. You're, you're right, and that's what advocacy is all about. And one of the principles of advocacy I talk about in The Everyday Advocate is using critical thinking skills and using discernment because there is so much information on the Internet. I, I think I quote in the book, 59 million hits come up huh. when you Google autism. So uh -huh. how do you, as a parent, know, you know what's true, what's relevant, and what's reliable information? Because, unfortunately, like any time there's a hot topic, there are going to be lots of people preying on the fears, mm -hmm. preying on the desperation of parents. And I've talked to parents who've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars chasing miracle, miracle cures only to be, you know, disappointed in the end. 
And that's your job as an advocate. You've got to figure out what's true and what's not true. Well, why don't we, um, why don't we, I'd like to follow this, you know, in, in this mother's journey concept um, so that we can talk about some of these things in terms of your own experience. And, I, you know, one of the things that I noted, and I don't know if this is, um, I mean, I'm sure you've probably thought of this yourself, but just to tell my listeners, Ariva has an amazing story herself. I mean, aside from having an autistic child, she herself dealt with incredible challenges growing up. Um, you talk about how you were raised by a disabled grandmother um, who was shot and in a wheelchair at a time when people who were disabled were not given the same rights as they are today, um, and how you rose from the projects to go to Harvard Law School and to become this internationally recognized uh, attorney. And, you know, obviously, uh, and, and your, I guess your grandfather was it? It doesn't, you didn't really mention, or I don't know, somebody who also raised you was a janitor as well. So you had your own challenges growing up, and there seems to be a parallel now after you finally climbed the mountain, you know, coming from this difficult childhood to... Uh, to where you are, and then um, you find yourself with another challenge that you need to climb a mountain for on behalf of your son. There's a parallel between that. You know, Dr. Carroll, God doesn't make any mistakes. That's all I can say. And there was a reason, I guess, that, you know, I was there with my paraplegic grandmother, and it was my godmother, actually, who worked as a janitor. And growing up in that environment, I learned many, many important life lessons uh, about adversity and overcoming adversity and not allowing your circumstances to define, you know, your future or your possibilities. So in, in some ways, I say that childhood was preparing me, you know, for this, this most important mission of my life, which is being a parent to a child who has special needs. And I draw upon the strength that I watch my grandmother, who was in a wheelchair exhibit, you know, as I deal with my own son and, and the, the joys and challenges of being a parent. And I have two other children. And I tell that story in the book because I think we take for granted sometimes in this country some of the rights that we enjoy. And it wasn't until the mid-70s or late-70s that people with disabilities started to have any rights in this country. You just didn't see people in wheelchairs. You didn't see people with, you know, canes. You didn't see people with uh, dogs, you know, for, for, for the blind, you know, in public places, in workplaces, you know, living on their own and working uh, in various jobs. And the rights that those people with disabilities, the rights of, of someone like my son, the, the rights that they enjoy today are because of advocacy. And that's why I'm so passionate about advocacy and, and, and helping everyone learn in their own right to be an effective advocate. Because without people paving the way and, and fighting the good fight for people with disabilities, we wouldn't see kids with autism in public schools because yeah. they, they had no rights to attend public schools. And I tell a story in the book of a woman named Pat who took her son uh, in the 70s to Los Angeles Unified to enroll him. And they didn't have a classroom for him. And they said, we don't have anything for kids like your son. You should put him in an institution. Mm. And this man today is 44. He lives on his own. He catches the bus. He, he mm. caught the train to Santa Barbara to participate in some bowling tournament or something. And, you know, he's living independently. He's contributing to his community. And that happened because Pat wouldn't give up. She didn't put him in an institution, and she fought. And now LAUSD has close to 10,000 kids 
in the school who have autism, and they have programs. And, you know, a lot of work still to be done, but still the work that has been done is because of, of the advocates like Pat. Well, how is it that you became, I mean, what did you, how did you become your own advocate when you were growing up? How did you get from that background to Harvard Law School? You know, I, I sometimes look back on that, Dr. Carroll, and, and, and wonder how a lot of good people, starting there, a lot of people who believe in me, a lot of people who were willing to make enormous sacrifices, including my grandmother and godmother and, you know, extended family members that, that lived in my community, who saw something and, and who were willing to invest in me, who guided me, who coached me, who really supported me. And one of the, the things I, I tell people that I'm most proud of is my work ethic that I learned from my grandmother and my godmother. And I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, you know, you might be smarter than me, and, and you may have more advantages and more political access and, and, and more money and, and more everything. But I really pride myself on being an amazingly hard worker. And I, I, for me, I think I've been able to level many playing fields simply because I just won't be outworked. I just won't be outworked. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's those lessons that I learned from my godmother and my grandmother that uh, I know are so important to the work that I do today. Hmm. And I guess also when you had all those people, you know, behind you um, that gave you the courage sometimes in those dark, (laughs) dark days to uh, to do it, not just for yourself, but, but on behalf of them. Absolutely. Sense of obligation. You know, some people, you know, someone working at night cleaning offices and emptying trash cans and cleaning floors, you know, that, that's an amazing sacrifice. And, and I don't take that lightly. And I don't take for granted the sacrifices that my family and extended family made. And, and I do feel a sense of obligation to continue to, in whatever small way that I can, give back to a community that has given so much to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're, gonna, we're coming up on a break. When we come back, I'd like to um, sort of go back a little bit to basics for people. You know, autism is so difficult to define anyway, even for people who are, are working in the field. But why don't we start back with um, what autism is, okay. and, then, um, and then we can talk about how, what made you, you know, how you came to um, the diagnosis or how you brought your son, how you knew to bring your son in for uh, a diagnosis of what you saw was, was sort of not quite right. Okay. Um, my guest is Ariva Martin. She is an award-winning attorney, and she is the author of the new book called The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're unraveling autism with uh, Ariva Martin, who is not only an expert because of academic skills and knowledge and so on, but because of her daily experience with her autistic son, Marty. She is an award-winning attorney, and her new book is The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. And before the break, um, I promised that we were going to sort of take a step back to basics. And, um, Ariva, have you talk about what autism is? And, and I guess the best way to do it is in the context of um, your own experience. You had two little girls, and um, then your baby, Marty, was your third child. And what made you start to um, have questions about his development. Yeah, great question. Uh, 
Marty is only about a year younger than his uh, sister, Morgan. And Morgan was one of these, you know, kids who didn't need a whole lot. She potty trained herself. She taught herself to walk. She was using complete sentences by 14, 16 months, just, you know, hitting all of her milestones. And so I had a good sense, you know, as a parent of two children, what kids should be doing at certain points in their development. And I noticed with Marty, he wasn't doing many of the things that Morgan did at the age that she did it at. And that concerned me. And at first, I was you know, pretty quiet about it, but just observing it. And finally, I started asking around family members uh, initially. And I got a typical response that you'll hear parents say, which mm-hmm. is, don't worry, boys are slower than girls. Mm-hmm. Boys talk later than girls. You know, my brother, my father, my uncle, my, you know, male child didn't speak until three or four. So you get a lot of pushback. And as a parent, that's comforting. You know, when someone says, don't worry, mm. that makes you feel good, like there's nothing to worry about, right? right. So as, as a normal parent, I, I, I took those, you know, encouraging words and for a while I sat on them. But then I was at a hair salon, and, and I watched a little boy who was 16 months at the salon greeting the guests as they came into the salon, the, the clients. And, I mean, he was using really sophisticated language mm. for a 16-month-old. And I went home and I told my husband, I said, you know, despite what everyone is saying about Marty, something's not right. You know, I, I'm a mom here. I have that, you know, that instinctive, you know, mother nature, mother wit, whatever we call that intuition that just told me I needed to act on this. And then I started asking professionals. But this is a very typical experience when I talk to parents, that they'll say they have a intuition. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get a lot of, you know, pushback from a spouse or another family member, and even sometimes they're pediatricians who will tell them to just wait. And one thing I want to bring up, Dr. Carroll, which is so important, is particularly in communities of color. I do a lot of work with families of color, African-American, Latino, Asian families. And statistically, children of color are diagnosed two to four years later Hmm. than their typical peers. And a lot of it has to do with access to trained professionals who know how to diagnose a developmental Hmm. disability. A lot of it has to do with the lack of, of really good information uh, about what the developmental milestones are. So whenever I, I talk to professionals like you or have an opportunity on TV or radio, uh, I'm always beating this drum about know the milestones, know the milestones. Uh, it was just a uh, tape uh, episode of The Doctors and, and one of Dr. Phil, and, and that's the message. You know, if, if people don't take away anything from these uh, shows on autism or discussions about autism, take away knowledge about what the developmental milestones are. So important meaning when children normally sit up and talk and, and walk and all of that. Absolutely. And the Center for Disease Control has a website, and they have beautiful graphics and charts and, you know, uh, calendars that they can send you that will tell you, you know, it's six months a baby should do X. Now, I don't want to scare people or, or, or create a sense that if the child isn't doing X by day Y, that that means automatically they have autism or any disability. But it does mean something might be going on that's worth at least investigating. So that that's really yeah. that important message is it's much better to bring to your uh, pediatricians or your doctor's attention something that you've noticed rather than sit on it and wait and have that child get to kindergarten, which happens in some cases. Mm and they've lost valuable time. Because one thing we know about developmental disabilities, 
there are no known cures. So it's not like you can get a shot or take a pill, but early interventions such as behavior therapy and speech therapy and occupational therapy matter. And the early the kids get the intervention, the better the outcomes are. Yes, and autism is, if it's going to be present, is usually present before the age of three. Yes. So it is, there are, you know, that is uh, a significant, those years are the most significant also in any child's development, not just in regard to autism, but for any child, the first five years are the most important in terms of their psychological development um, and and learning these skills and so on. So it is really important to get this diagnosis as soon as possible. So what happened when you then you then went to your pediatrician? I went to my pediatrician, and she also said, well, you know, we'll wait. And, you know, for a super aggressive lawyer like me, wait means, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But for a lot of parents, unfortunately, wait means six months. Yes. It means a year. It might even mean two years. For me, though, it meant I'll call you tomorrow and I'll get a referral. But, you know, it, it definitely took a little longer than 24 hours for me to convince her that I needed to see a specialist. And and eventually I did, and she referred me to uh, a developmental pediatrician. Big word, didn't know myself what one was, and and many parents have never even heard of a developmental pediatrician. It's just a fancy way of saying a pediatric doctor that really just specializes on the development of children. You know, they're not concerned about ear infections or runny noses or fevers. They're really you know, their specialty is diagnosing what's happening with the child in terms of development. And so I, I went to a developmental pediatrician, and that's where we started to get some answers to what was going on with our son. Because at that point, he was almost two years old, had very limited language, had very rigid uh you know, uh, things that he did in terms of lining up toys, playing with toys inappropriately, uh, you know, resistance to certain kinds of food, uh, sensitivity to noises, and all of these are very classic signs of autism. So, if, if you know, any of your listeners, you know, if you have a child that's under three that's not giving eye contact, not pointing, uh, not using uh, toys appropriately, not engaging in imaginative play, uh, you know, not responding to his or her name, all classic signs that something, again, I don't want to say it's autism, I'm not diagnosing it, but classic signs that you may want to consult with a specialist. And, and also um, you talk about how, it, and I thought this was really interesting, how your son seemed to be developing normally and some socially, because that's another big factor, the, the, yes. the disruption or impairment in social interaction and connecting with other people. Um and and that seemed to be normal in terms of his being well connecting with all of the family, his two sisters and you and your husband, and then and then that seemed to change. And, and it's very classic, and it's a form of autism called regressive autism. And you'll hear again many parents report that their child was developing normally, maybe even using words appropriately, and you know playing uh, with toys and engaging in imaginative play. And then you know there's there's like a break or something happens, and they start to regress. And in some ways, that was happening to my son, Marty. Uh, Again, all of this highlights, highlights, highlights the need for advocacy. And I I talk uh, extensively in in my book, The Everyday Advocate, about, you know, becoming an expert means knowing your child, knowing what the developmental milestones are, recognizing them, and then having the courage to, to stand up and speak up for your child. 
and um, when and so was it this developmental pediatrician who? I mean, what did you do after that? After they finally, I guess, how what, how did they go about? What did they do to eventually give you that diagnosis? There are several tests, uh, standard tests that are used in most pediatric offices. To, uh, developmental pediatric doctors or psychologists who specialize in evaluating children. Uh, and, and autism is more of a an evaluation of ruling out things. So there's a long list of does the child do this, does the child do that, and depending on, you know, the extensive questionnaire for the parents and observation, uh, several office visits with the doctor, she finally, you know, told us. And, again, like many parents, we were devastated. My husband and I can remember very vividly going out to our car and crying and just because, again, no answers, no answers. And then we began this very complex uh, navigation of these various systems because if you have a child with autism, they're going to cross the medical system, the educational system, and the legal system. And, you know, we, both of us, my husband is a lawyer too, both of us very used to dealing with complex systems, but this was one of the greatest challenges we ever faced because, you know, you, you can't take a child with autism to your local public school and say, hey, little Johnny's five and he's ready for kindergarten. doesn't work that way. There's a legal document called an IEP that has to be developed uh, with a team to determine where he will go to school and, and what classroom he will sit in. And for most parents, they're, they're not prepared for that. So the need, again, for becoming an expert, learning principles of advocacy, and, and really taking the responsibility to become an advocate for your child. And, you know, one thing that's interesting about your book, you could actually apply a lot of the principles that you talk about as far as advocacy to any kind of um, problem with a child or problem in your own life, you know, a health problem or yes. some other kind of problem. I'm an advocate for advocacy. Yes. <laughs> well, when we come back, we'll hear more about A Mother's Journey with Avriva Martin, whose book is called The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. 
At Last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about unraveling autism, taking a mother's journey with Ariva Martin, who is also an internationally recognized attorney and the author of the new book, The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. And as I was saying before the break, um, so many of the things that she talks about in regard to advocacy could be applied to other challenges that um, people have in their lives because it's you know, it's it's standing up for yourself and learning how to navigate the bureaucracies and, and things in our society that stand in our way of, of uh, getting our rights and getting, um, making our way past whatever obstacles we have. So, and I'm so glad you, you brought that up, Dr. Carol, because people ask me all the time, well, you know, I don't have a child with yes. autism, but I have a child with cerebral palsy, or I have a child that was bullied in the classroom, or, you know, I'm dealing with a student who was denied access to a particular class on a college campus. And what I tell parents is exactly what you said, that the seven principles of advocacy outlined in the book are absolutely applicable well beyond, you know, uh, raising or caring for a child with autism. You know, learning to document, uh, which is one of the principles, learning to become an expert, learning to speak with authority and be assertive without being obnoxious are all, you know, points and, and all actions that can help you in so many situations. And I, I've watched people, I've, I've taught these principles of advocacy to people, you know, women at women's conferences and, you know, parents at, at various parent conferences. And, and I've watched people blossom from shy, you know, unassuming, almost doormats, yeah. <laughs> you know, feel so empowered once they, you know, uh, feel, you know, once they, they learn some of these advocacy strategies. So absolutely, the principles in the everyday advocate can help you navigate almost any situation from a difficult boss to a child that's being bullied on the playground. Yes. And, you know, of course, as a psychiatrist, one of the, what I see is one of the most difficult things is that having a child with special needs 
um, is is so difficult in itself. I mean, you talked about feeling uh, crying, and and you know, parents feel guilty, or they feel they mourn the loss of the child, yes. the ideal child that they thought they were going to have, yes. or. Um, there are issues with siblings and all these different and, and issues in the relationship between the two parents and, and all of these things that depression, because it's a loss and, and all of that, these are um, feelings that get in the way of standing up for yourself. And I devote a considerable amount of time in the book to addressing those issues because you cannot be an advocate if you are depressed if you are emotionally overwrought, if you're burned out. I mean, so moving from that place of anguish to advocacy is really important. And as a parent myself, and, and not just working at this from a professional standpoint, I understand those feelings and I experience them. So, you know, I, I speak in the book from personal experiences in terms of how I was able to move from, from that feeling of grief that so many families experience to get to the point and I tell a story where I couldn't say the word autism. That's how, that you know, overwrought I was emotionally. I couldn't say the word autism without weeping. And so now when I stand up and I'm talking before thousands of people about the topic of autism or I'm on a television show talking about it, I have to chuckle myself sometimes because I know what my own journey has been. Mm-hmm. But the encouraging thing about that is I know if I moved from that point of anguish to advocacy that so many others can too. And that's really why I wrote the book. Uh, you know I, I started a nonprofit organization, Special Needs Network, about five years ago because I really wanted to address those those families in poor communities, underserved communities, communities of color, who were disconnected in some ways from mainstream organizations. And I wanted to provide them a voice. And, you know, through the organization, I've been able to help thousands of families, but I just couldn't help everyone. And so the book was really about taking my knowledge as a parent, my experiences as a parent, my expertise as a lawyer, and as a nonprofit leader, and putting it all together in a book that could reach millions of people around the globe. Yes, well, I'm sure it will go around the globe. Um, now, your son is nine. So no, he's eleven. Oh, he's eleven now. He's eleven. Yeah. I guess I, I guess whatever I was reading was okay. Um, so he's eleven now. Okay. Yes. So, so take us through, um, you know, the the journey a little bit further, um, and particularly. You know, whatever you feel comfortable, however much you feel comfortable talking about this, um, the impact that it had on the relationship between you and your husband and the impact that it had um, with your two daughters and and how, you know, on the family, the impact of... Great question. Adjustment. That's the the key word here. (laughs) Adjustment. We all had to make a big adjustment in terms of our travel, in terms of our vacations, in terms of our you know, daily experiences, even something as simple as going to church. We uh, attend uh, a traditional black church in Los Angeles that, you know, plays loud gospel music mm-hmm. and, you know, the services last for close to two hours. Mm-hmm. And for a child with autism, sitting in a church with loud music for two hours mm-hmm. is, you know, like putting hot coals under mm-hmm. their feet. You know, it's just painful. So uh, even in attending church, we had to come up with strategies so that, you know, we could get Marty acclimated and work with him to become accustomed to listening to the music and being able to sit through the services. So we had to make a lot of personal adjustments. Fortunately, fortunately for us, and and you know, Dr. Carroll, that the divorce rate amongst parents 
who have children with special needs can be as high as 80%. Mm. Uh, I, I'm very fortunate, and I don't take this for granted. My husband and I have been married for 20 years, and a, a child's diagnosis with autism or any illness, cancer or, or anything that we can think of, will either pull your family closer together or pull it apart. And I think any family has to decide early on when you get a diagnosis or you learn any bad news or, or news that could be, you know, something different to your life's plan, what are you going to do? Are you going to let it pull you apart or are you going to become closer? And we we decided pretty early on that, you know, our, our son was a gift from God. We wanted a son. You know, we don't get to pick and choose. It's not a baby factory. You know, we don't get to do that. And we had an obligation and responsibility to our son. Now, that's not to say we didn't have challenges. I mean, from managing all the school meetings, from managing all the medical appointments, and all the expenses associated mm-hmm. with the extra therapies and extra medical costs. Uh, and we had days, you know. There, there were days where it was very challenging just getting him dressed and out the door for school. I can think of a trip we took to Chicago to visit a brother when he was only three. Trip from hell. <laughs> Absolute hell. Uh, my brother had just divorced. He had this new house. It was a bachelor's dream with every gadget you can imagine. And a nightmare for a child with autism mm. who had so many sensory needs. And rather than stay in a hotel, we stayed at my brother's. And every minute of that trip, I, I, I think I spent more time in the room crying about it than enjoying it because, you know... I, we were all running around, put that down, Marty. Don't touch that, Marty. Mm. You know, this is the remote, you know, and we learned, stay in a hotel with <laughs> autism. So, you know, those life lessons. Uh, but I, I talk in a book about how you can manage, you know, how you can talk to your other children, how you can get them involved. Uh, so rather than Morgan, who's very close to Marty, feeling resentful, resentful because all the attention was on Marty, getting her involved, making her a part of the therapy, making her a part of his program. And to this day, they're best friends. Hmm. And, you know, there, there isn't that resentment that can sometimes develop. Yes, you talk in the book about how children, uh, siblings, um, or your daughters um, were afraid of catching it, that, you know, this is a typical thing that children would think, is, am I going to, you know, is this something I can catch? And why? Why my brother? You know, why is this happening to us? Very common questions for kids. And, you know, we decided early on to give them as much information that was age-appropriate. So, you know, we didn't hide it. We sat down. We talked about it. And as they grew older, you know, of course, we gave them more scientific information, you know, more complex information about the disorder. But very early on, just talking about it, talking about, you know, why he would be up all night or why he would make screeching noises and getting them to understand. And really, I think, you know, kids are amazing. They're resilient. Their capacity is great. Uh, and when you explain to them, and we talk to them, if this were, if something happened to one of you, what would the family's response be? What mm. should it be? What would you want it to be? So, you know, mm. getting them to think about that. So if, if you have a, you know, tragic car accident or something, you know, what would you want your family's response to be? And, and putting that in the context of, okay, well, here's Marty. So what should this family's response yes. be? And, mm. and they can relate to that. I mean, I think everyone can relate to that because all of us who are, quote, unquote, typical, 
you know, could be impacted by a, a car accident or, you know, any kind of illness. Uh, and how does a family respond? Yes, absolutely. So, um, how have you? Um, what have what have you been doing in terms of his school and in terms of um, the treatments? And to how have you um, seen him improve over the years? Yes, great question. Again, uh, Marty didn't speak until he was four, so I, I want to deliver a message of hope to all the listeners that uh, even if your child isn't verbal, which he wasn't until four, uh, he is now. He is much more conversant, much more articulate than perhaps we could have ever known uh, at two and three when he wasn't using language. He's fully integrated into uh, a classroom in our local public school. He he goes with an aide. Uh, he's not doing the grade-level work of his peers, but he's managing really well. We were fortunate. We got him you know, early intervention, ABA, behavior therapy, uh, speech therapy, occupational therapy, and he's responded very positively. Uh, it's, you know, as the kids continue to grow and evolve, their needs change. Uh, different issues. Uh, my nonprofit special needs network, we just did a big conference in South Los Angeles, and we had a class on puberty and sexuality mm. because we know kids as early as 9 and 10 hit puberty. And it just doesn't happen to typical kids. It happens to mm. kids with disabilities as well. So, you know, we wanted to arm parents with a lot of information on how to deal with, you know, those raging hormones that we see with all kids. Yes, yes. We can uh, talk more about that when we come back. My guest is Areva Martin. Her book is The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. We're talking about Unraveling Autism, A Mother's Journey. We'll be continuing with that when we come back. Uh, so many of these things, like what we were talking about before, so many of these things um, can be applied to not just autism, but um, other challenges that, that children have and adults have and so on that, that you need to arm yourself with um, information about how to become an advocate in order to, to do the best for your child or for yourself. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. one 472 5787 That's it, that's it. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you a wow, a wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Ariva Martin. She's the author of The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. And um, when we left uh, during the last segment, um, we were starting to talk about her child, Marty, going to school, and uh, which kind of brings us into uh, this whole education field <laughs> arena is certainly one that uh, where it's especially necessary to learn to advocate, to be an advocate. So tell us about that. Yes. Uh, you know, as I said a little earlier, that when you have a typical child and you're ready for that child to go to school, can go to your local public school and show them a proof of your residency and enroll the child. And you just show up and, you know, they're assigned to a classroom. But when you have a child that has special needs, be it autism or cerebral palsy or learning disability or any number of special needs where they need extra help in the classroom, that child's education is governed by an IEP. And that whole process is dictated by federal law, federal law called IDEA. And again, parents need to be aware of their legal entitlements and their child's legal rights. And that law says that children with special needs have a right to a free, appropriate public education in the least restrictive environment possible. So what that means is if your child uh, attends a school that has uh, segregated classrooms where all the children have disabilities, you have a right to inquire and to evaluate and to assess whether that child's education should be provided in that classroom where all the kids have disabilities or whether that child can be in his or her typical classroom with, with kids, you know, in a general education setting. And you may be entitled to have your child in that general education setting like my son, Marty, and the school may have to provide an aid if he needs an assistant in that classroom to help him really, you know, do well, to follow the teacher's instructions, to access the curriculum. Your school may have to modify the curriculum. So if your son is in the fourth grade and he can't do long division, uh, you may be assigned a teacher whose job is to, you know, give him math problems that he can handle given mm-hmm. his, you know, cognitive level. So there's just a, a wide variety of rights that parents have that they need to know about. And 
one of the things I do in the book, The Everyday Advocate, is I have two chapters. And I, I call these Get Your Free Legal Advice from a Harvard-Trained Lawyer. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're really, you know, because I had clients that would come into my office, one being my own lawyer who, who negotiated my book deal, whose son is on the spectrum. And she came in and she said, Ariva, I've heard about the work you're doing. I need to come in, and I just want you to tell me everything you know that I need to know. And so in these two chapters, I treat them as if they are legal consultations. Mm. And, you know, lawyers are expensive, you know, and a lot of families aren't going to be able to pay $500, $600 an hour to see a lawyer. And in smaller cities in the country, you may not even be able to find a lawyer with a specialty in this area, even if you have the resources to pay for it. So I wanted to give parents in the book, uh, uh, you know, give them a free consultation. So this, these two chapters... This is everything I would tell you if you came into my office for a consultation, if you called my office for a consultation, if you went into the highest-priced lawyer's office in this nation and asked them, you know, what do I do for my child, this, you know, would be the kind of information you would get. And I wanted parents to have that because I didn't want parents or kids to suffer because you live in a city that doesn't have special education attorneys or your parents can't pay you know, legal fees for a lawyer that, that can mm-hmm. cost, you know, three $400 an hour. And, and so I wanted to provide parents with that information. And there's a lot to, to know as you're advocating for a child with special needs. And what was it? You started your son off in a, in a class for children with special needs, and then you moved him to um, a mainstream class. What, what made you make that change? Yeah, uh, I had the good fortune of attending uh, for a summer a program at UC Santa Barbara with Dr. Lynn and Robert Cagle. And they are huge proponents of full inclusion. And they believe that children with special needs do best when they are in environments with their typical peers because they learn to model the behavior of those peers. And after spending that summer, I came back to my local school district and I said, you know, I know I signed an IEP that would place Marty in a class with other kids with disabilities. But I've changed my mind, and not only did I change my mind, here is the scientific data and literature to support that he's likely to do better in a fully included classroom. And I got a lot of resistance from my school district, and I actually had to sue my school district Uh. in order to get Marty into a general education Uh. kindergarten, and I've had to fight some years harder than others to keep him there. But I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was the best thing and it was the most, you know, uh, worth it legal battle for me to take on, not only as a parent, but as an advocate. Because even though, as I said, Marty is not up to the grade level of his peers, he has learned to model. His language improved dramatically being around kids who have great language. Mm. He's learned to follow instructions, being around kids who follow the teacher's instructions. Mm. So there's so many rich things that happen you know, in terms of social skills, social interactions that happen in, in classrooms with typical peers. So I encourage parents, again, do your homework, know your child, build a team, and as a team, make the decision that's best for your child. You know, it's so interesting because um, the prejudices that um, that schools have, I mean, this you know the idea it's, they feel so strongly they felt so i don't think it was because of uh of uh data that they didn't want him to be in the i mean what was there what did they tell you for 
there are different schools of thought, and there's a school of thought that says children with special needs need small classroom environments, they need specialized instruction, and that it can be better delivered in these smaller, more segregated classrooms. And also there is some bias, let's be honest, there's some bias against having children with special needs with typical kids. There are some parents, and I happen yes. to be a parent of a typical set of kids, and I'm a parent of a special needs kid. And there are parents who will go to their schools and say, I don't want that, mm. that autistic kid in my room. Mm. I don't want that mentally retarded kid or that, that kid who has, you know, intellectual challenges. I don't want them because they're going to take away valuable time mm, from yes. my child. Yes. And that's yes. the education. That's where advocacy matters because we have an obligation to educate them. And Marty's life is enriched by being in that classroom, but so are the lives of those other kids that learn. Look what they're learning. Tolerance, patience, diversity, all things which are so, as you know, invaluable to, you know, surviving in the workforce. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure that uh, they've learned a lot and come to help him or want to be there for him. Yes. Well, I want to make sure we're we're running out of time. I want to make sure that I give out your website that people can obviously you can get this book and all where books are sold uh, and on Amazon and all the usual places that you can get the book. But also go to Ariva's website, which is www.arivamartin.com. Yes, and that's A-R-E-V-A Martin. ArivaMartin.com. Well, Ariva, thank you so much for sharing your story and for the work that you do, which, God, the thousands of children that you've been helping, and and now with this book, will be helping even more around the world, um, is just fabulous. So thank you for sharing it all with us. Thank you for having me, Dr. Carroll, and thank you for all the great work you do for so many families. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Whether you uh, have an autistic child or a child with special needs or not, um, I'm sure that you there was a lot to, to learn from Ariva. And again, the book is called The Everyday Advocate, Standing Up for Your Child with Autism. And we all need to learn how to be better advocates for whatever it is in our own life that... Um, that needs to, to have the obstacles removed. So again, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.